Is there such a thing at St. Andrews as too much prayer? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for just a second and say another prayer with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Holy Spirit, I invite you in here today. I pray that you will move powerfully here. I pray, Lord, that what we will gain will be more than academic knowledge of your scripture, but rather I pray that our hearts will be changed so that we can hear your voice and serve you in whichever way that you're calling us. In your name we pray, amen. So, for those of you who do not know me, like you said, I am Len and Mary Fatima's daughter. I grew up here at St. Andrew, and I have many fond memories of this church. My, I spent my high school years here. I have memories of church potlucks, Sunday school, and I will even admit that I went on my first real date with one of your sons. <laughs> I had just turned 16, which is the legal age for dating in my house. The call came in, I answered it, I accepted the date, and I proceeded to happy dance down the stairs where my parents, my dad specifically, was sitting, he was bending over, fixing something in our family room. So I announced the news, and I watched as my dad paused, <laughs> slowly straightened, <laughs> stiff as a board, turns to me, face white as a sheet. <laughs> and this clash between pure excitement and utter fear could be felt <laughs> within the room. So I tell you that story today just to illustrate that I did a lot of growing up in the years that I attended St. Andrew. And while I think I have finally gotten to the point where I can sort of, maybe kind of, admit that I'm an actual adult, I still feel as though I do a lot of spiritual growing up here. As I listen to Adam's sermons, hear what you guys are doing through your foster care program, and even maintain some relationships with one of you guys. So it is an honor and a privilege to be here today. As this place holds such a special part in my heart, it's an honor to share a piece of my heart with you. So, as many of you know, my family has recently been grieving the loss of my grandma. So I brought a picture. I don't know if it's up here yet. There it is. <laughs> That's her. Maybe some of you know her. I think she's been here before. Um, some of you may have talked with her. This was, by the way, the only picture ever taken in her whole life that she thought she looked good. So that is the one that I'm sharing with you guys today. Um, well, I guess there's one more picture I wanted to share. There it is. <laughs> that is uh, my grandma and my parents at their wedding. My parents were all of 20. My grandma was 41, which is three years older than I am right now. Now, I'm looking at my daughter here. I cannot even imagine giving her away in marriage in three years, but I guess that's how it worked out there. So if you all could do me a favor, I would appreciate it if you could mention that to my family and my parents. You can specifically focus on my dad's hair if you like. <laughs> I think this will teach them not to miss on the day that I am speaking at St. Andrew. So in all seriousness, though, um, there's nothing like losing someone to make you reflect. And I've been thinking a lot about my grandma. I have many memories of her, uh, happy memories. Once we uh, 
We're making grilled cheese for my grandpa, and we accidentally burnt it. We decided just to serve it to him anyways to get a rise, which we did, and we giggled about it like schoolgirls for years to come. I have sad memories of her, um, watching her go through the death of my grandpa. Uh, she did it with strength and dignity, but even 10 years later, tears were never far from her eyes when she would speak of him. Now, if by some cruel twist of fate, I was only allowed one memory of my grandma, I want to share with you today what that memory would be. She had a cottage, a cottage on a small lake in Michigan called Gun Lake, and the place has just endless repair needs. It's <laughs> there was always a repair guy over. So one day I was sitting with her, and um, we were sitting outside, and this repair guy came up to my grandma, and he was telling her what he had done and what he still had to do, and I watched as my grandma, like skillfully and deliberately and boldly, maneuvered this conversation with this man in such a way that it ended with her asking him this, do you know Jesus? <laughs> like, do you know Jesus? This was, by the way, not the only time I saw my grandma do something like this. I think that she had just this knowledge that she had these people captive in her house, and she was going to take full advantage of it. Um, on this particular day, I don't know whose jaw fell lower to the ground, if it was mine or the repair guy who was just trying to get his job done. But um, to Grandma, this was just natural conversation. She, um, you know, why wouldn't she ask this? She was hungry for people to know the Lord. She was bold in her witness to him. And um, she just had a desire to see hearts changed. If you knew my grandma, you would know that she was a somewhat gutsy woman. For better or worse, she spoke her mind. And although many people would be shocked to have a stranger ask them if they knew Jesus, I mean, if you think about it, really what she was asking was, what's your eternal destination? You know, you wouldn't, um, it's not normal, right, to have people ask that. But straight into the point conversation was not entirely out of character for my grandma. In fact, she was very well rehearsed in leading a conversation down a road like this. Now, watching this whole thing take place, I remember, if I'm honest, feeling very embarrassed. Obviously, my grandma did not know that this just isn't the kind of conversation that you just spring on a person. I could not even relate to it. At the time, I probably wouldn't have even asked my closest friends if they knew Jesus. At the time, my idea of sharing God's love with someone was more along the lines of smiling as I passed by them in the grocery store. Because you never know who needs a smile, and I really believe that, you know, God could just radiate his love into any situation that person found themselves in. My witness was clean. It was simple. No one had to feel uncomfortable. Not them, and certainly not me. So life went on in the weeks and months to follow that little interchange. And I began to reflect on my grandma's boldness, contrasted with my more subtle approach, 
we could call it my non-approach approach to sharing the gospel. You see, I was Peter, the disciple who followed and knew everything there was to know about Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Christian school. You were at church every Sunday unless you were almost dying. Mm -hmm. I knew the whole nine yards, but to witness to somebody about Christ, even talk to my closest friends about him, no thank you. It's a modern-day story of Peter. He was the disciple that followed Jesus through his whole ministry. He told Jesus that he would lay down his life for him. But when push came to shove, it was Peter who denied even knowing him when a little servant girl asked him. I was Peter. So, I began to come to this realization that smiling at somebody in the grocery store, that really wasn't what Jesus had in mind when he gave the Great Commission. You know that whole go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded them, and the promise that he'd be with them to the end of the age, that whole thing, not conveyed in a smile. You see, God had begun to whisper something in my ear, and if I'm honest, it was something that I did not want to hear. I could not perceive what he was up to. So over the course of the next two or three years, I had a circular, running conversation going on with the Lord. And simply put, it went something like this. I want you, Kristen, I want you, to tell them what I've done for you. And I'm over here going, wait, what? Yeah, Kristen, I want you to tell them what I've done for you. Well, I can't do that, Lord, because in order to tell them what you've done for me, I have to tell them about all my junk. All that stuff, you know, that you don't want people to know about you, that's part of my story. He said to me, Kristen, is it your story of redemption or is it mine? Who wrote your story? I want you to tell them what I've done for you. Now, you do realize, Lord, that this is like a massive shift in the way that I relate to people, right? We're talking complete overhaul. You're taking me so far out of my comfort zone, I can't even see straight right now. You want me to actually get personal with people? Yeah. I want you to tell them what I've done for you. And I'm going to help you do it. Hmm. Has God ever asked you to do something like that? 
Has he ever told you that he had different plans for your life? That you were to obey him regardless of your comfort zone, regardless of your perceived abilities? Has he ever said to you, you've done it your way long enough, now we're going to try it my way? And guess what? I'm going to help you do it. Great, right? Awesome. So if we follow Peter's story, we see that God did this in Peter's life too. Um, In the beginning of Acts, we read that Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven. He's died, he's resurrection, he's resurrected, excuse me, and he's about to leave to go to heaven. All right, so he tells his, his disciples, I want you to wait for the promised gift from the Father. That promised gift, of course, being the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus knew that he had given his disciples a difficult, if not impossible, task. It was one that they could not um, accomplish on their own. He knew that they needed the Holy Spirit. So they're waiting. In chapter 2, we see that God is basically indicating to them, it's go time. Okay, so the Holy Spirit makes his arrival. And it's evident because there's this like blowing wind all around them that can be heard and felt. On top of that, tongues of fire rest upon their head. Okay? Talk about an entrance. The Holy Spirit is saying, I am here. It is go time. And if that was not enough, the disciples all begin to speak in tongues, all in different languages that they had never heard. The whole thing causes such a stir that crowds begin to gather because something out of the ordinary is clearly happening. Now, you remember earlier, I had said to you that when God started to speak into my story, I could not perceive what he was saying. I could not perceive what he was doing. I could just see something's happening here. Okay, so it's the same thing from the crowds, right? They see that something's going on, but they don't really know what they're witnessing. I find this so relatable. God's at work. Maybe he's not. I don't know. So these crowds, they have to put this into a, you know, in a way that their brains can understand it. So clearly they reason, these people are drunk, right? Because that, that we can understand. It's perfectly reasonable, right? Because people start speaking in other languages every time they get drunk. Languages they've never heard, right? <laughs> Makes perfect sense. So Peter's up there, and he's seeing that the, cl- the crowds can't perceive it. He sees they cannot understand what they're witnessing. So boldly, Peter stands up. He's the first one to stand up. And it's here where we see a massive shift in Peter's ministry. It's here where we see it's go time for Peter. So to recap what Chad uh, read earlier today, um, Peter stood up. He commanded the attention of the crowd. Listen carefully, he said. He explained to the crowd, these people are not drunk. What you're witnessing is, in fact, fulfillment of prophecy. Remember, Joel said in the last day that God says he will pour out his spirit on all people. That's what they were seeing. He boldly preached that Jesus was the one that God sent 
to save them. And he reminded them that, oh, by the way, you guys are the one that killed Jesus' disciples. Or Jesus, God sent one. You guys killed him. Y'all messed up. Y'all are in trouble. Can you imagine coming to that realization? I did this to him. This is my fault. This is my problem. Right? Peter didn't leave them there. And thank God he doesn't leave us there either. He gave him hope. He said that, yeah, you guys are the ones that killed him. But you have an opportunity here to repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise was for them, for their children, and for those who were far off. That's us. We're the ones that are far off. Do you see this massive shift now in Peter? This is the same man that a month and a half ago couldn't even admit that he knew Jesus. He's now boldly explaining scripture and prophecy. He's calling people to repent. It's through the Holy Spirit's empowerment of Peter that he was able to do this. Sure, <clears throat> Peter was, had, did have a certain amount of boldness uh, before the Holy Spirit came upon him. But let's just not forget that without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that boldness was literally expressed by cutting somebody's ear off. But now, with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to bring the gospel message to a group, and 3,000 people were saved. Now, I don't know about you all, but there have been times in my life when God has called me to do something. I mentioned one earlier. How God was encouraging me to share my story of what he had done for me. See, he was saying to me, it's go time. But did you catch that I said that that nudging from the Spirit, it took two or three years before I actually dared to speak my story? Why is it that when God calls me to do something, I lean into the what-ifs, the what'll they think, the I'm not able? Why don't I lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and let him guide my path? or let him guide my conversations in such a way that it brings honor and glory to God, like my grandma did. Would you believe that once I eventually did tell my story, I was met with love and grace and safety and peace? No one fell out of their chair in utter shock at where I'd been through, what I'd been through and what God had taught me. In fact, would you believe that after I began to share my story, other people came up to me and they told me that they had similar stories. And that years later now, I still have people coming up to me and telling, telling me that they've had a similar story. Would you believe that God has used my story as a, just a fundamental part of my ministry towards other women. And that I can now 
boldly say to other women that there is literally nothing in this world that God cannot redeem. I love saying that. Nothing that he cannot redeem. Because it's true. And because God has finally taken me to a place where I can perceive that. I wish that it had not taken me two or three years to obey. I wish that just like Peter did, I had acted immediately when the Spirit called. But I am so happy to tell you that no matter how late to the party I was, God was faithful. He was with me the entire way, writing my story, which is really his story, whether I could perceive him or not. And it is a story of beautiful, beautiful redemption. So, I say to you all today, what is it that God has been nudging you to do? And what are you waiting for? Just as the Spirit signaled that it was go time to the disciples at Pentecost, is he likewise signaling to you that it is go time? I will tell you that the time that I heard his voice, the times I heard his voice the clearest, was when I was sitting in church. Every week, my pastor would preach on varying topics, and every week, God said the same thing to me. I want you to tell them what I've done for you. So today, I'm going to encourage you all, instead of leaning into your what-ifs and your I-cans and your whatever your excuse is, that you will be bold in leaning into the Holy Spirit. Sarah's going to get up, and she's, we're going to have a time of reflection while she sings a song. And during that time, I just want you all to pray that the Spirit will indeed confirm what it is you've been hearing. And I pray that you all will um, boldly pray that he will um, give you the courage to follow through. <laughs>